You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself, man, I need to know more about my data in my dental practice. I need to, to find a way to make this place healthier. Well, today we're going to walk you through that process. I bring on a great coach. Her name is Robin Tyson and she's amazingly brilliant. And we talk about winning with data, the seven practice KPIs to illuminate practice health. You have to listen to this. It'll make your practice better. I promise. I hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast, where we're always looking at ways to improve your practice and your life with great insights from great thinkers, great coaches, great teachers. And we're going to do exactly that with an amazing coach today. She's one of the most brilliant people ever. Her name's Robin Tyson, and she keeps me on the rails as far as data goes. And we're going to be talking about winning with data, the seven practice cap KPIs to illuminate your practice health. Robin, thank you so much for being here. I always appreciate you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you for a few minutes and give 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 our people some more information. Oh, yeah. We're going to be on here for more than just a few minutes, which you're yeah. going to... So for those of you that don't know, Robin is a brilliant lead practice coach here, and she's more than that. She's uh, She brings an incredible wealth of knowledge and understanding behind the numbers and the data. And so one of the cool things about what I get to do is I get to hang out with her, and she teaches me a lot of stuff. So, But I want you to start here, Robin. You coach practices all day long. Why... Is it important to really understand KPIs for practice health? Well, we need to know if we're winning or not, or what our goals are. So we, it's, it gives us an idea of if our standard of care, the things that we have in place, the beliefs that we have about who we say we are, are we doing them? And the way that we know them is through are, are through numbers. So I, you know, numbers don't lie, and it gives us a place to look at either celebrate our wins and look for opportunities to yeah. look for ways to improve the numbers we have. Yeah. And you've been coaching, you know, just almost as long as I have. 
the whole numbers thing has changed over the years. I mean, 26, 30 years ago when I got started, it was all about money and it really wasn't all about money, but sometimes that's what team members heard. So if you're a dentist listening, you might be thinking, oh, I don't know. I don't like talking about numbers. It's critical that you talk about numbers because numbers... There's no emotion with numbers. They tell you what's going on. You can make changes. You can quickly cut through the cloud of subjectivity with numbers. It's really important that you at least embrace this journey with numbers. Don't you think, Robin? Oh, 100%. And I, you know, numbers, You're like you said, numbers are not emotional and team members associate them oftentimes with a negative or a positive. And I really view them as they are. It isn't this is where we're starting and we have an opportunity to change it. If we think it's a negative, then what are we going to do to make it different so that we look at it and are happy about what the number shows us? Yeah, absolutely. And so I've shared this on the podcast many times, you know, raising four kids, one of my children, my son is type one diabetic. And no matter what he says he's doing, the numbers tell us a story and I get that he's working hard. And so we, him, uh, and the doctors that oversee his process, we all can make adjustments on that. Same thing with grades with kids, same oh, thing yeah. with uh, anything lipids, you know, mm-hmm. um, all these numbers give us the opportunity to create something that's a little bit more healthy. So walk us through this process. Where do I start, Robin? So the first one that we that I'm going to talk about is the gross production. So um, I'm going to shout out to Ariel, our co- one of our coaches here, and the advice that she would give is to charge your full fee. So the production is is measuring your output potential, or it is looking at everything that is posted to your ledger. What is what did we actually produce in a day? And so that is the first number to look at. You know, when I say charge the full fee, there. Are, the other option would be to charge what insurance, you know, put on your ledger or have the output be what ins- what your insurance fee is. And I think that we miss a lot of information by not charging the full fee to really give us an idea of what our gross production or our output potential is. Yeah. And output potential, you look in terms of time. This is actually one of my favorite. Now, there's inherent challenges with gross production. Number one, not charging your master fee. A lot of people don't know what that means. Even if you're 100% PPO and you're listening to this podcast right now, you should be billing out, charging out your full master fee, which in some cases might be twice what the PPO will allow. And that's okay because there may be a day where you're not on the PPO and you don't want your patients to say, wow, your fee went up 100% and now you don't take my insurance. You don't want that to be the narrative. The other inherent challenge with gross production, and you know who you are if you're listening, is you're a dentist who's a really nice person and you don't charge any fee at all because you have your sister in and she is in for two days while you prep the uppers. And you're like, well, she's my sister. I'm not going to bill that out or charge that out. And at the end of the month, you're like, well, we didn't make any money this month. And, you know, and your team members are like, well, your sister was here two full days while you did all of her uppers and you're complaining like you don't have any... When you put it in the computer, it shows you how you utilize your time. It shows us how you utilize your time. And you can start to be elective with your write-offs, which your sister might be one of those people. Right, Robin? Absolutely. And, you know, when you for patients, too, it's important that they see what you are what you are what you are giving them what are when you are doing a write off of some sort it's important that patients know the value of what they are receiving for free so i would say never charge 
a zero dollar. You never want to charge nothing and always charge your full fee. Yeah, that's a really good um, point. And Miranda brought that up Friday at our two mm-hmm. times. Nothing should ever be zeroed out. Nothing. Correct. And so Correct. even if you have a detailed list, we're going to talk about KPI number two here shortly, but you have right, you know, you have things that you write off for adjustments. Make sure it's extremely detailed because even that data tells you so much. Yep. And again, I'll speak to the dentist who's listening. What you do is you sprinkle your elective write-offs with your required write-offs all over the place. And then you do a sum total at the end of the month. And you're like, I don't like this. What you have to do from this point forward is do it very intentionally. So take us into KPI number two, Robin. So the so the second one is, are your, is your write-off percentage. And so this, for this one particularly, I think being the more specific that you can be about your write-off categories, the better. So it, just to your point of the different insurance companies, I see a lot of offices that will have insurance company write-off. I, my offices, what I recommend is to have a Delta write-off, a MetLife write-off, a Cigna write-off. It gives us information about what are what fees you're receiving from our insurance, what the write-offs are. And as you're making decisions about whether you're in or out of what network or how you want to have that relationship with PPOs going forward, knowing specifics about each insurance company is really important. Yeah. In addition, there you're going to have different write-off categories. So your sister, the elective write-offs that you have, it's important to know what percentage of that is. What are you, what are, if you're having to do warranty work, what percentage is that for the year? So being being more, being specific and really knowing where those write-offs come in is important to, to make some decisions around. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you always recommend the more detailed, the better on yes. all of these. Yeah. Because these questions come up. What about, hey, Robin, I'm on a membership plan. Would that be considered a write-off? I'm on one or two different types of things like that. You would put those as separate line items or separate write-off, right? Absolutely. And within the membership plan, I like to separate into hygiene and restorative write-offs as well. You know, a lot of times with membership plans, the hygiene is considered free or you're paying for it at a, a at a discounted rate because it is part of that. It's the it's the fee that you're paying to be a part of the membership plan. So I want to separate that from what what am I writing off for restorative work or what am I what are the savings that I'm giving for the write off for the restorative work within that membership plan? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be very careful to put it all into one big bucket. We have something that's called the payer wheel in our dashboard for our practices via dental intel. And what that means is sometimes people say, well, I'm only participating with, you know, Delta, you know, Premier or, you know, Cigna or whatever. And when you pull the payer wheel, you're going to see there's 20, sometimes 29 to 30 different types of payers. They might be this particular insurance from another state. And so it's important that you segment those as much as possible and train your team to do that. Because again, at the end of the end of the day, end of the month or end of the year, you can see how hard you're working. Now, one more thing before we go on to the next one, which leads to the next one is that we're finding through talking to so many people that write-offs are skyrocketing. And some practices are writing off as much as 42 and 43%. Now, we didn't see that prior to the pandemic too much, and we still don't see it, but we're seeing it every once in a while, and that's just out of control. And what you're doing is you're forcing the discounts to go at a very high level, which is driving your costs and pinching the stress that you have. So it's important to know this percentage, and then quarter over quarter, year over year, if you're at 42% write-offs. 
or you're at 33% write-offs. That means you're working one out of every three days for free, for sure, possibly more. And so don't let that upset you, but let's go from 33 to 23 with the help of a great coach like Robin. And now we can start to work smarter, not harder, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, something that you have that you've talked about before is even practices that are fee for service, there are going to be write-offs associated with a fee for service practice. If they are 100%, you know, not writing off anything to PPOs, there are still elective write-offs, membership plans, senior discounts. There are still some other things that are going to be there. I know we've talked about having what we see is around 10% is for a fee for service practice. I don't know that I see much lower than that write-off or that's average for those for that type of practice. There's still going to be write-offs associated. Yeah, we have so many dentists uh, in the accidental community that they'll uh, they'll restore the priests in town, you know, the police officers, teachers, but they choose to do that in an elective fashion and their fee-for-service and all of them are at 9, 10, 11, 12% because it's a, it's a very important part of their business give back. But as you can see, it's extremely intentional um, mm-hmm. and they keep track of that. Now that leads us to KPI number three which is what? Right. Which is your net production. So it is your gross production minus your write-offs equals the net production. And um, that is your revenue potential. So that is what we, you would base the collections off of is your net production. It's the revenue potential that you have within the practice. So, um, you know, that's an important number. I know there are some that would say the only number gross production isn't as important as net production. And I disagree gross production is where you start. We need to know what the potential is and be able to evaluate the write-offs, know where we want to continue to do that, where we need to make some tweaks to get to the net production or what we can collect on. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm very biased on this, but your net production is the collectible production after all is said and done. And Mm -hmm. I'll just warn you that if you have a great dental CPA, which there are a few of them great out there, they're looking at what hit your bank account and comparing it. So they have no idea unless you have a great one that understands what gross production is. So you might collect a million dollars a year. And, you know, at the end of the year, you made $218,000. Now, ADA just just published their new data in the United States. The average GP that owns their own dental practice made $218,000 and it's going down from 10 years ago. So here's why I tell you that data. If you're telling your dental CPA to say, how am I doing? They're comparing you with the averages. And that is not why you're listening to this podcast. You should never compare yourself to the averages. You should be very aware of your numbers. Your net production is critically important and that's your revenue potential. What else do I need to know about you know, net production and how it works in a regular dental practice. It's 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 looking at what, take your gross production minus your write-offs, and that's what your net production is. So that's what we're basing your collection percentage off, percentages off of, and it is the revenue potential. So what you can what you can bring into your practice from a financial perspective and from monetary perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to know these numbers, and you should be collecting. Which we're gonna now. I mentioned the term KPI. Everybody always asks me, "What's a KPI?" Key performance indicators. Sorry, I didn't bring you all into that, but these are numbers that are critical to your practice, and that kind of leads us to uh, data point or KPI point number four. What is it? So that's your collection percentage. So that's looking at the percentage in your practice of your net production that you actually collect. And 
this is a number that I see often that when I'm initially talking with teams or with doctors that they say, oh yeah, we collect, we're great. We collect, we, for, we bring, you know, collect hundred percent. And this is one that quite often it's lower than they expect it to be. And so that it's, which makes it a really great reason to have this as one of the KPIs that you're looking at to make sure that there's, that you're collecting hundred percent of what your potential is. You've already, you've produced it, you've assessed the write-offs and now you're to the net production. If you're collecting 95% or 96%, percent of that that's a huge difference it makes a huge impact on your cash flow for the year yeah absolutely so yeah and i'll give you points point and scenario if you're listening because you know who you are again i'm having fun with you so don't get mad but if you're a well-meaning dentist and you know you're like i got sally sally's been up front forever she's been there for 20 years she knows all the patients and our net collections is 95 percent you're leaving five percent on the table so if you look at disparity between gross production and you know net production which would include your write-off percentage plus we're still leaving another five percent on the table you're just working that much harder for that much more collectible dollars that hit your bank account and what we like to do with this is i don't want to make anyone ever feel bad but these are what we call opportunities so any practice we're coaching, if it's at 95%, let's go to 96, let's go to 97. And in some cases like that, Sally might be able to collect 101% or 102% because you know why? She's got a great coach like Robin telling her what to say or how to say it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Absolutely. And the collections doesn't fall on the team member as with most of the KP or the front office solely. As most things that we talk about, if this is a team one, this is a team opportunity. So if you've got, you know, you're not bringing them to the handoff, proper handoff at the front desk, or we're not having the PIT conversation, the pit stop, those are, those all impact our collection percentage. So it's not just the responsibility of the business team or a reflection on them or what what they are or are not doing. It's really an opportunity to look at our whole system. What is our, how are we collecting? What are our financial arrangements and what are, how do we handle this within the practice? Yeah. And we just say this because our podcast, this goal is to, to create a helpful, you know, helpful information just so that you can think better about your practice. And so the danger of being a dentist, going to a meeting, is like, I got a $1.5 million practice. I got a $1.5 million practice. That means absolutely nothing. Because one practice, practice A, might be writing off a third, which means they're collecting a million, while practice B is like, no, I, I'm a $1.5 million practice and I collect $1.5 million. And I don't work as hard as practice A does. So knowing your numbers is important. And I would also say this, you don't have to compare yourself. What you have to do is start somewhere. So, you know, the first piece of any change process is first telling the truth. And part of what we do is an assessment and it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. A lot of practice, you know, owners will say, well, I do this. And then when I get the numbers back, I'm like, you're kind of close. Um, but knowing the numbers tells you so much and you can improve them. And, um, so I think that's really important. And, uh, you know, so just knowing those upfront makes you a better practice and much more healthy. As you can see, we didn't talk really about like, you know, big dollars or anything like that. Just knowing these numbers will ultimately create a healthier situation for your practice. So Robin, what's KPI or data point number five? So this is the new patient reappoint percentage. And 
I would also add into this, I like to look at the hygiene component of this one as well. And so, you know, you're talking about the doctors that say I produce 1.5 million and all these things. I think another metric that we talk about a lot is I get 85 new patients a month or I get 40 new patients a month. And we don't know how many of those actually stay. Right. We're not tracking how many people are reappointing. or So we talk about that number and that number really means not a whole lot unless you know how many people are actually coming back. Yeah, And so looking at the reappoint percent, and I like to be even more specific, like I said, to know how many patients are coming back into hygiene. The hygiene is where we're not going to lose them. They're going to be part of our recare process. We know they're going to be coming back in. And it is an opportunity with a new patient to talk about how important hygiene is and build that value in hygiene so that they know when they come back how important that is within our practice. Yeah. Knowing this number and making it healthier every month, I promise you will make your practice better. Now, some of you are like, no, we get every new patient. No, you don't. Okay. And I've heard numbers bigger than that. Some people tell me, I get 200 new patients. Well, first of all, that sounds terrible. And sometimes new patients are the worst. Now, I agree you should always have a healthy number of new patients. That's critical. But here's what happens to a lot of dentists that listen to this podcast, because they're listening to other things. They're going to Panky, Coist, Dawson, Spear. And you've learned how to do a comprehensive exam, which is so important. And some of you over time have said, all my patients go through a comprehensive exam. Well, that's true. And so you get a great new patient, calls on a Tuesday, and you get them in for a comprehensive exam. And you find out they need $12,000 worth of dentistry, you know, in the first meeting that you have with them. And now yeah. your treatment coordinator is stalking them over and over and over again. I've sent her three voicemail messages. I've texted this patient. The patient wasn't ready to hear the $12,000 treatment plan. And what's worse is they're not tethered to the practice with a hygiene appointment. So here's right. a little tip. Uh, it doesn't matter how you bring the new patient through the practice. That's your choice. But they should always have an appointment for hygiene. Sometimes patients will call your office and you see immediately that they have to be referred out. This one's got to go to the oral surgeon before we do anything. But before I go to the oral surgeon, you're going to have a hygiene appointment. See how that works? That yeah. way you're retaining. They have to be tethered somehow, some way. So if you have your team members listen to this podcast, team members, just tether them to the practice. Without saying, Even if you're like, they got to come through the doctor. That's great. I'm going to set you up with the doctor. I would say to a patient, if I was working at the front desk and I'd be the worst front desk person of all time, I would say, Mrs. Jones, I'm so glad you called. Now, two things we're going to do before you get up. Hang up. I'm going to set schedule two appointments. Our doctor likes to see patients in a comprehensive exam. Let me explain what that is. And I'm also going to schedule a hygiene appointment. And I'm going to set you up with Robin. She's one of our amazing hygienists, blah, blah, blah. That way you knew exactly what to expect before you got off the phone, thus retaining more of those patients. Am I on the right track, Robin? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. And I might I, not be I, the worst front desk person of all time with your help. <laughs> <laughs> what I would also add to that is where I see the most new patients leave is through the doctor schedule. And I get assistants and doctors that say, oh, they're here for an emergency. And those like those are the people that need you as a hygienist. They need they need your hygiene team to not have those emergencies anymore. So it's that opportunity. It's something that they don't always think about. And so those emergency patients are, are, are opportunities to get in, get them into your hygiene program. Yeah. 
I also, we talk a lot about value and I believe with cancellations and no-shows that it's a value problem, not a cancellation problem. And so if, if a new patient comes in and we don't talk to them at all about hygiene and that first appointment, how important is that appointment? So now when we're trying to talk to them two or three appointments later about coming into hygiene, we've lost an opportunity to really talk about the value and to know how important it is to come see your hygienist at least twice a year. Yeah, I love this. This also becomes a great filtering practice building process that's bigger than retaining new patients because and I could talk about this one for an entire hour because I love this. You as a dentist, number one, you don't need every patient. You don't want to be right. every you know, dentist, a dentist for every patient. All you need is the right number of patients to build your practice. And depending on the practice style, a hygienist that works full-time only needs 750 patients if they're seeing them twice a year. Now that's a generalization, but think about this. If my team is locked in on making sure the right new patients are calling and they're going through hygiene over time, two decades, I can filter this process so that we're inviting back the right people, encouraging the right referrals. And in no time, sooner than two decades, probably three years, you've got, you know, if you're one doctor practice with two hygienists, you got 1,300 of the right type of patients where your annual patient value is north of $1,000. And now you're killing it. Like you're absolutely killing it instead of trying to capture everything. Because if your new patient numbers are through the roof and your new patient reappointment number percentages are at below the roof, below the floor, you're, right. you're filling the practice with terrible patients and right. wondering when can I sell, you know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, new patients take a lot, of, they take time and effort too. So giving them that experience and really having them return is an important piece. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now take us through KPI number six. What's that? So KPI number six is the diagnostic percentage. And in, um, and I'm speaking mostly in dental in terms of dental intel. And so the way that dental intel ma uh, measures that is it's taking the number of exams that a doctor does in a month or a number of doctors do in a month. And it is how many of those of those um, exams, how many is something new diagnosed at? So the patient could have an existing treatment plan already. This is looking at what new was diagnosed out of there. So that diagnostic percentage is really important to take a look at in that to have a, a good barometer of how many of your patients are leaving with, with treatment plans. And so, and how many are you diagnosing on? One thing I'm really seeing with this diagnostic percentage now is with how busy our hygiene programs are is the need for more new people or that the need for that mix of patients within your hygiene program to keep the doctors busy. So we've been operating at this really with our hygiene departments being overflowing for the last several years and seeing that starting to really catch up with doctors and what they're able to diagnose when we don't have the proper mix of patients coming in or we don't have, we aren't creating space for new patients. We're not creating space to see some of our unscheduled active patients, which I know you love that number. And so we're not, when we don't create space to bring those people into hygiene, that diagnostic percentage can really be impacted by it. And that's our restorative schedule. And that's the doctor's productivity. Yeah, absolutely. And you're speaking my language, you guys. What Robin just said is absolutely brilliant. And it's so important to your practice. And I'll give you a little tip here. One of the greatest things you can do is partner with one of your chairside assistants to make sure that they are responsible for tracking that percentage because people left to themselves 
are not accountable. And again, you know who you are because I love you and this is you. Like, it's Mrs. Finelli. I go to church with her. I know she's got bone loss all on the left side. I don't want to talk about it because I sit right next to her every Sunday at church. And I, we talked about it two years ago, so you don't say anything. When you have somebody that can hold you accountable, again, to just talking about what's real, and you just have to tell people the truth. You don't have to sell them anything. This is not about hard selling. But when you get good at just telling people the truth over and over again, and you have a chairside assistant who holds you accountable to having that conversation, you're going to watch that percentage number climb. And Pete Dawson said it years ago. Gosh, Pete, I miss you. There's a practice within your practice of undiagnosed, non-dentistry that hasn't been discussed, and you're just afraid to talk about it. And that's so true. So the opportunity exists. And you know what happens when you diagnose more. It leads us to number seven. What's that? So that's treatment acceptance percentage. And so that's looking at, again, in dental intel, it measures it in two different ways. It's measuring, one of them is measuring the people. So it's looking at the number of treatment plans that were presented and then how many on how many treatment plans something was accepted from the patient. So it's looking at people. And then the other one is looking at treatment dollars. So of those treatment plans, they were X amount of dollars. And this was the dollar amount that was accepted. So it's a way to look at both of those numbers and determine, are there areas of opportunity there? Are we, are we is the treatment getting accepted to the percentage that that we want it to be. Right. So I'm going to have some fun with you. Robin, my yeah. treatment acceptance is 100%. I don't need to track this. Now, we've heard this for more than 30 years. Okay, let's decode that conversation. Well, I mean, that's not realistic, right? And that, and I don't know that we're really shooting for 100%, right? I mean, we're, we want to have, we want to be able to give the patients the information that we have, diagnose what we see, and allow the patients to choose what, what is most comfortable for them. And so it gives you a, a look into where are we doing well? You know, a lot of times practices will look and they'll have the larger cases are the ones that they have a harder time getting patients to commit to. So it gives us an opportunity to break down that what's happening. How do we, how do, how are we treatment planning? that? How are we presenting that to the patient? Let's take a look at that, at, at how that works. Are there areas of opportunity there that we can, that we can shore up on? Or are there, are we giving patients so many options that they don't even know what to choose from? So the treatment plans are so large, we're telling them three different things. Are they, are we giving them enough information to make a decision for themselves? So it allows us to dig into some of those things to really see where the opportunities are to increase that. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope you're seeing through this. When you use these seven KPIs to illuminate your practice health, what you can do is diagnose your business. It's not just about tracking random numbers and seeing how much money we can make. But when you start with gross production, write-off percentage, net production, collections percentage, new patient reappointment percentage, diagnostic percentage, treatment acceptance percentage, you can literally say, this quarter, let's work on this number. Next quarter, let's work on improving. And by doing that, you create compounding effects on the overall health and result of the business. It's awesome when you can just, it also forces you to ask really good questions. You're like, I don't think it's that number. You know, even if you use an analytics software like Dental Intel, I get this one every week. Dental Intel isn't tracking this right. Uh, you're, you're like, okay, whether it is or isn't, it allows us to ask better questions. Can you speak to that too? Yeah. You know, dental intel, what I know about it is it's code-based. 
And so it is, you know, whatever is going into it is coming out. So it gives us opportunities to really dive in. If you don't like the number, great, let's figure out how to fix it. Let's figure out how to get it to something that you do like by being realistic about what's going on within the practice and really figuring that out. Yeah. We have a great accountant here on our team. His name's Tom. And Tom's like, every number tells a story. Like even if it's $1 or $1 metric, it tells you a little bit of a story and you should always be improving every number, no matter what it is. Challenge yourself to say, hey, let's see if we can make that healthier. It's not about money. It's about making them continuously healthier. So Robin- You're brilliant. I'm going to have you back again and again. See, I didn't even ask you. I just told you. (laughs) Give us some final takeaways on these numbers to uh, improve our practice health. Yeah, they're they're great. It's a great seven seven practices or seven KPIs to really take a look at that gives you an gives you a bird's eye view to what's going on in the practice and areas of opportunity. I think numbers too are a great way to be able to celebrate with your team. When you can get those when you get the numbers to where they are, it's an awesome place to celebrate and and you know look back on where you were and where you are today and the efficiencies you've created through it. Yeah, totally. And for me, I'm an eye on the disc profile. So a lot of things I do are as emotional, whether it be good or bad. When you have the right numbers that you're tracking, it helps you sleep better. You don't tell yourself a story about, you're like, no, I have the data and I know the data. And it allows us to have a clear, you know, consistent conversations with the people around us about how do we make this better for everybody. So, um, You know, if you're listening to the podcast, you're wondering, gosh, how can I, I don't know how to make this better. I'll just let you know, coming in the future, if you haven't been to our To The Top Study Club, I'm going to highly encourage you that you attend. And one of the sessions that we have in the future is going to be From Data to Dollars, Navigating the Numbers Game, where we're going to take apart all of these numbers, actually show you your numbers, provided we you you let us see your numbers, and show you how to make them better over time. You can also reach out to Gina on our team and she's awesome at this. She'll help you through a process where she'll help you see your practice and what opportunities exist. And we'll leave information down in the links that you guys can click on that. So if you weren't taking notes today, don't worry. This is how the podcast works. We're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the notes and Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. Just click on the links right there. Uh, You're going to see everything that Robin and I discussed. And Robin, that was so much fun. Thank you again. I really appreciate you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Looking forward to next time. Absolutely. Stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I hope you did, please hit the share button. Share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions for things you guys want to see. You're going to see. We're going to line them up for you so you guys can create a better practice and a better life. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching, keep listening to the Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.